few years ago, my last day of school for undergraduate uh, in seminary, uh, I was at St. Ben's in Covington, and I'm on my way home, uh, ready for the summer and ready for a new season, and uh, just excited to, uh, to finally return home after being gone for quite some time. And uh, that's typically a two and a half hour drive, and on my way home, I, I can see, like, kind of far out in the distance, I see, like, some black smoke. Um, but, you know, I'm just listening to the radio and just continuing to just notice, well, that's odd, black smoke, I wonder what that's about. And then I just continue to drive. And then before I know it, after a little bit, I recognize that I'm stuck on the Basin Bridge. And many of you might have had the experience before because we all live right here in southern Louisiana and many of us have traveled on this bridge before and because it's unfortunately a very dangerous bridge, um, many of us have probably had the, oppor- the, the unfortunate experience of being trapped. Well, I was there for uh, this particular story a, a little over four hours. So sure, it could have been worse, but four hours was plenty enough for me to be very uncomfortable. I didn't have any food or water in my car. I kind of needed the bathroom, but there was really no place to do it. I had cars before me and cars behind me, and we were all at a standstill with no indication on how long this was going to last. And I just wanted to get home. I'm on my way home from the end of the school year and suddenly realize how important this bridge really is. There was a barrier, and I felt stuck. And in a similar way, I think this can be applied to our spiritual life sometimes because sometimes we find ourselves, for whatever reason, stuck. We're just stuck in our faith. Like we want to grow in our spiritual life. We want to get closer to God. But for whatever reason, there is a barrier. And we're not even sure how to progress forward. We just feel stuck. For some, it's because of a crisis. Maybe it's like a a family crisis, some type of situation of drama in the family. Maybe it's a marriage crisis, something that's going on between you and your spouse. Maybe it's a financial crisis because of something that's going on in the work or something that happened in the stock markets. Or maybe it's a health crisis because of some type of illness that you or a loved one has contracted. Whatever reason, though, especially whenever we face crises, we tend to suddenly come to a halt in our spiritual life, and we feel stuck. I say this because I'm using these analogies just to draw home this analogy of Jesus importantly being the bridge between heaven and earth. Jesus Christ in his flesh, he brings humanity and divinity together. It's where the physical and the spiritual intersect for us through the incarnation of Christ. And something really beautiful happened whenever God became man, because before God became man, uh, God had already created the world, and, uh, and humanity had over and over again sinned and turned away from the Lord. And, and God was noticing that there was this desire within humanity to reach towards heaven. There was this desire to, to be in communion with God, but for whatever reason, they kept messing up. And so God in his goodness, in his generosity, descended to earth. Divinity came down from heaven to earth at the incarnation when God became man, when Jesus Christ was formed in the womb of the Blessed Virgin Mary. 
And then Christ lived among us and taught his teachings and, and inspired people and gave his healings and, and, and revealed the glory of God while he was with us on earth. Eventually he suffered and he died and he even rose again. But many times we underestimate the importance of the Feast of the Ascension because it was at the Ascension that the reverse happened. It was at the Ascension that humanity rose to heaven. Just as at the incarnation, divinity descended from heaven to earth, at the ascension, humanity rose from earth to heaven. Because Jesus Christ was fully God and fully man. Divinity was already in heaven at the time of the ascension, but what Jesus uniquely did is that he brought his human nature with him, his soul and his body. His humanity was drawn up and brought into heaven, thus opening the door for us. We now have access to heaven because Jesus is the bridge between heaven and earth. But there's also some more to, to kind of point out at this uh, ascension because within this context, right before he, he raises and ascends into heaven, he, he commissions his disciples. He tells them something very clear. He gives them a very clear instruction. And then we, that's our gospel for today in the gospel of St. Matthew. He says this, it's known as the Great Commission. He gives them the instruction to go, therefore, and make disciples of all nations. He says to baptize them in the name of the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, and to teach them all that I have commanded you. So Jesus gives them this instruction. He doesn't just say, behold, I'm with you always. Don't worry, I'll be back soon. He sends them out. He gives them a command to get going, to go do something. Namely, to go make disciples, uh, baptize, and to teach. But what's interesting about this passage, there's four verbs there. And in the, in the original Greek, um, I don't know Greek, but smarter people than me, the scholars have pointed out that um, in the original Greek, that these four verbs, there's one of which that is the hinge verb. In other words, it's a verb that's the most important of a sentence, that this typically happens in Greek, that there's typically one verb that stands out above the rest, and the rest are more participle-type verbs. So I just before I even tell you which one it is, maybe you can guess it. There are four verbs in this sentence. Go, therefore, and make disciples of all nations, baptize them in the name of the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, teaching them all that I have commanded you. So go, make, baptize, and teach. If you were to choose of those four, which is the most important in that sentence? Which do you think is the verb that Jesus wanted to emphasize the most to us right before he rises or ascends into heaven? Well, the original Greek points out that the most important verb in that sentence is make. Chances are very few of you actually guessed make. In fact, usually that's the one that people guess last. But it's important to point out that Jesus' main reason for giving the statement is for us to make disciples. That is such a crucial part of our identity as a church. 
And I believe, unfortunately, we are facing an identity crisis that, unfortunately, we sometimes interpret church to be self-serving. We believe that the church of Jesus Christ does have a mission, but instead, it's the mission of Jesus Christ that has a church. And that mission is to make disciples. That's not just for Father White. That's not just for the priests. It's for all of us. Jesus commands. He doesn't just say, hey, if you get bored and you have some free time, what you should consider doing is maybe go make some disciples. He says, go and make them. And then he ascends into heaven. You know, it's the last thing he tells his disciples. You, you can imagine that's probably going to be words that you remember forever. Go and make disciples. So how do we do that? I mean, what is that all about? And, I, you know, in the, the church these days, especially in recent uh, decades, there's been a lot of conversation around this worldwide. How do we make disciples? What is that all about? How do we actually spread the good news and make disciples? Well, first of all, we need to know what a disciple is. A disciple comes from discipuli, which is um, follower or student. So simply, we want to make students, people that are going to be students of Christ, followers of Christ. But how do you make them? And to make them, well, there's so much we could say. But what I would suggest is that at least here at St. Leo, as we've prayed into this, what is going to be our strategy to make disciples? We believe that the best way to make disciples is to be a bridge between heaven and earth. Jesus Christ is that bridge, but he's calling us to be a bridge by becoming like him. And so before I unpack that, I want to invite you for just a moment, very just simply here, in your own life, do you believe that you are more of a bridge or a barrier for others in their relationship with God? Are you more of a bridge or are you more of a barrier? Because you see, all of us, by virtue of our baptism, we have a great responsibility to bear. People know that we are Christian. Or even if they don't know, the fact is we are Christian. And because of that, we have been commanded to go and make disciples. Well, this is a huge responsibility. And very often, unfortunately, because Christian is attached to our identity, we unfortunately become a barrier Due to our scandal, due to our moral, uh, due to our lack of moral credibility. Unfortunately, sometimes we might be a barrier by the way that we talk, maybe the way that we talk about others, the way that we gossip, the way that we judge, the way that we tear people apart in order to build ourselves up. And then people wonder wait, aren't they supposed to be Christian? Isn't this person supposed to be a witness of Jesus Christ? And it can become a barrier and a scandal for someone else. If that's what Christianity is about, I don't want anything a part of it. Or maybe we can become a barrier because of the way that we hoard our resources. By our greed, we can sometimes become so successful and so focused on our own mission in life when we accumulate and accumulate to the detriment of those around us, sometimes even those very close to us. And we build ourselves up and indirectly tear others down. Instead of sharing what we have and being attentive to the needs of others, sometimes our greed can become a barrier. People wonder, well, wait, isn't, 
Aren't Christians supposed to be selfless and serving? Sometimes we can become a barrier just because of our indulgent or scandalous behavior, our immoral behavior, perhaps, you know, at social gatherings or just with friends, family, or acquaintances. And so they'll wonder if that's what Christianity is, is, is that just an extracurricular? Or does the gospel actually permeate through their hearts and through their lives? And so we need to ask this question, are we being a barrier for others? simply by the way that we're living. But in addition to just a responsibility to just avoiding a barrier, we also have the responsibility of being a bridge. So how can we do that? Well, here at St. Leo, what we've been talking about a lot are three things in particular. If we want to be a bridge, we want to bridge heaven and earth. We want to be a bridge by becoming like Christ. And we can do that in three ways. We, can, we want to rest in Jesus, we want to build community, and we want to show mercy. We want to rest in Jesus, particularly through the Holy Eucharist, as we spend time in the presence of the Eucharist, as we receive the Eucharist worthily with a clear conscience after going to confession, as we try to live a Eucharistic spirituality outside of the church walls, as we put this, the Eucharist at the center of our heart and of our soul and of our faith, we rest in Jesus and our hearts are transformed. Evangelization begins there where it begins with us being changed. And as we are changed, others can begin being changed by our witness. We want to rest in Jesus, particularly through the Eucharist. But we also want to build community. Again, the church is not just here to serve ourselves. It's not just to have a personal experience that's isolated. We are in community. We are, and, and community is concrete. It's not just a theory. It's, it's other human persons with human bodies in our presence. And we have to be with one another. And it's in this communal experience that we discover not only something about the others, but something about ourselves. And we miss that if we're isolated. Which is why it's so important that we don't just get stagnant with the community that we have. Our community is always open for more. There are so many others that should and that need to be a part of this community. When's the last time you invited someone to join you to Mass? When's the last time you invited someone to participate in your small group? When's the last time you invited someone to have a meal at your house and you share a conversation about faith? We want to build community here as a bridge to heaven and earth. And the third is to show mercy. And when I say mercy, I'm especially talking about these acts of mercy, these acts of charity that we give to those in need. And very often, it's our own family that needs mercy first. But of course, outside of our family as well, and in our own neighborhood, and in our own workplace, we want to show mercy, to be the face of Christ, to be attentive to the needs of others, and to reach out and to help whenever we can. In these ways, we become like Christ, and we become a bridge between heaven and earth. All of us have a great desire within us to reach towards heaven. 
we all want to taste divinity. And it's true that the divine is already within us because of baptism, but we want more. Our hearts want to elevate and to rise higher. But we need a bridge. That bridge is Jesus Christ, but Jesus has chosen and commanded that concretely it would be experienced through each one of us. We, too, are the bridge between heaven and earth insofar as we become like Christ. And so I just challenge all of us today that we, too, can be transformed into Jesus so that we can be, become true disciples who make disciples. We are the bridge between heaven and earth, and we do that by resting in Jesus, building community, and showing mercy. Amen.